Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it is great to be with you on this uh, August 6th. It's hard to believe uh, that I'm saying it's August 6th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but here we are, nevertheless, uh, as Mike and Mike always used to say, back and better than ever. Uh, so welcome into the program, and thank you so much uh, for being here, uh, listening to us on YouTube, on Podbean, on TuneIn. Uh, we're, so, we're so blessed that you're here tuning in to listen to our program tonight and uh, welcome Ann and how are you tonight oh great <laughs> great I'm excited for this show because um, I'm joined by both you Bill and Mickey who are good friends of mine and people who work very closely with me so it's just a blessing uh, to be here and I welcome our guest Mickey Kelly hey Mickey welcome man thank you why don't you Ann you want to tell us a little bit about Mickey I sure would love to. Yes. Mickey is uh, a, a man of faith. He is located in the greater Philadelphia area. He is very active in the pro-life community and specifically has done so much for uh, the, for the pro-life efforts in the city of Philadelphia. Um, he and I met uh, in recent years, and he is now also the president of the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, where I'm the director. So it's it's such a blessing to have you here with us, Mickey, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you. So you want to jump in and tell us a little bit about your story, Mickey, just your, um, you know, story about your, your Catholic life? <laughs> yes. Well, I might have to say I'm probably one of those rare people in my family that still like practices the faith. Um, some of the seeds were planted by my dad at an early age. He done a lot. Like he took me to mass, even though like I always say, like I always thought like going to Sunday mass with a pain in the neck, even though I prefer going to the Saturday vigil, which was fine. That was a compromise right there. And I would say like little by little, like my, my dad was still, even though like their marriage was like kind of a little shaky. I'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm like, I'm the youngest of like four siblings. Um, my oldest brother, he would still take uh, his kids like to mass from time to time, even though he hasn't done that lately. I'm holding you accountable, brother. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say like, I haven't taken my faith seriously until I was probably like in my late teens. Like I thought I was like finishing high school and then, I started getting involved with the young adult scene that didn't involve the, the love drug, sex, rock and roll, praise God. And one of the things that like, they could out to me is like, I was like getting involved this with the event called Catholic underground, which was started by the Franciscan friars, the renewal or in Catholic geek terms, the Catholic Jedi and in the, uh, in the Bronx area. And I was like, you know, I just made some connections, you know, friendships little by little here and there. I also at the time was involved with the Knights of Columbus and I held several positions with them on a council level up to now with the assembly. And I would just say like, um, I, I kind of think of like my faith and I, I think of, you know, the practice of your faith as 
bodybuilders that have to lift weights every day, not just like, you know, once or twice a week, but our faith is a daily habit, whether it's praying a daily rosary, um, praying the Magnificat every day, let alone the fact making an effort to go to mass, not just once a week, but two or three times and eventually, you know, form that up to, you know, daily mass, you know, receive Jesus, you know, as often as we can, even though some of us um, are starting to get, some of us are receiving him now, praise God, you know, since we're trying to move away from, you know, the present, you know, the crazy times we're living in right now at the time of this interview. Um, but I just like to say, I, I see my, my faith is as, a, as an anchor. When I, when the, when the going goes rough, I just like stop and just like, you know, be still and let Jesus, you know, take control. You've said that before about the anchor, and I'm glad you brought it up again, because as somebody who knows you, and I, I consider you a good friend of mine, Mickey, so thank you. Uh, I know that that is so true. Your faith is is the most important thing to you. Um, I would invite also people who are listening to uh, connect with him on social media, because Mickey is uh, uh, really an inspirational person when it comes to sharing beautiful videos, uh, weekly meditations on the gospel. And I always enjoy those, Mickey. I want to thank you for putting those out there. Every Sunday, he has something to say about the gospel, and it really means so much. And you live out your faith every day, and I know that. And uh, it's such a blessing to know you and that you are also part of the foundation now that I'm the director for. And um, as a matter of fact, you know, we just came from a board meeting and and I thank you for uh, being part of it. Bill is also part of that, too. Uh, part of the St. Raymond and Otis Foundation as a board member. Um, and what we're all about is, uh, yeah, is about is, is, uh, helping people to reconnect with their faith, families in crisis, individuals who are going through difficult times. So if you're one of those people, you know, we invite you to check out the St. Raymond and Otis Foundation by going to our website, and that's at nonatus.org. Uh, it's spelled N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S. So I would just invite you to check it out. And um, we have a lot more to talk about, uh, even aside from the foundation, though, Mickey. Uh, please tell us more about your faith journey, because there's so much to share. For sure. So, like I said, I, I didn't take my faith seriously until I was like in my late teens while Usually by that time, everybody's kind of like tapering off because you factor in when they parents are like, oh, you're going to move in the college. So excited for you. And then, you know, next thing you know, they probably give into the Marxist culture, I like to call it where they're, you know, they're I, I think of it as I think of it as, you know, you throw like you throw like um, you throw like leftover scraps of food out and you have like the pins. They just swarm in. I think of it that way. And a lot of these people, like, and of course, it's just alarmist statistics. I think um, Bill and I, we were talking about this, you know, prior to the uh, prior we were going on the air, that four out of five Catholics, I say, that are like, I say, younger than thirty, will very likely fall away from their faith. I mean, thanks be to God, we have ministries such as Focus that are. I, I think of them as the Green Berets of the Catholic Church because they're infiltrating where a lot of these Marxist and relativistic ideologies are in campuses such as University of Penn, Harvard, you know, co- colleges like that. 
where you have the professors that are liberal. They are the tree huggers. They are like, oh, they have their dogs and cats as their children. They embrace, you know, women's rights for what? They embrace, you know, the idea that two people of the same sex can marry when that's a contrary to the Catholic Church. And these focused missionaries, I mean, of course, they're trained. They have to do like 100 push-ups I hear. They have to learn how to like run five miles and all that. No, no. But the reality, the, the reality is the, the focused missionaries, they go out and they help build these strong Catholic communities. And I have to tip my hat to the great works they're doing in our area. But to back to the your, back to my journey, I would have to say I, I credit, you know, people that I meet through ministries, even uh, the young adult scene that are trying to live out their faith. And let's face it, we're not going to be perfect in the journey. And, and I'll, face, I'll, I'll admit it, I'm not a perfect person. And like the Pope, I am a sinner. You know, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. But the only thing that will stand out is I'm going to be picking myself up every time I fall. And that's really what that's really our faith journey is. It's, it's going to be you're going to fall. Sure, you're going to commit the sins. But the, the beautiful thing about the Catholic faith is the power of, of, of mercy. And you receive it from, you know, in the sacrament of reconciliation. And there have been times that I have received some amazing advice from priests, you know, whether it be if I'm struggling to overcome laziness or I overcoming things such as I'm not praying as often as I should be, or maybe I'm just committing the same sins over and over again. Like I just have to remind myself like, Hey, God is still with you. He loves you. And he wants you to keep going, keep pushing forward. And I, I would have to, and like I said, like I, I really credit a lot of friendships I made, whether it's the like missionaries people of faith like you and of course you know you you live it out pretty well yourself (laughs) and of course the wonderful family you're raising too thank you and of course um i don't know you too well enough bill but i'm sure you can use a compliment anyway after a long day you're having but bill i'm sure you're living out your faith quite well and hey we got a a wonderful um podcast here so hey you're reaching the masses and that's where where we have to be and i I would also say I, i drew i also draw inspiration from amazing uh catholic people too well known and probably say they're ones that are trying to like you know you know trying to reach up into the world like they're like kind of climbing mount everest and they're trying to reach the peak and i also credit saint john paul ii as one of my favorite saints and um you know he always just reminds us like be not afraid and that's actually repeated 365 times in the bible so that's the equivalent to a daily reminder. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. I need to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, I can go on for another 362 times, and then that's the, that's the end of the interview. No, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, 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 like, like I say, like, like, I mean, I just think, like, I enrich myself with, like, the right people because when I was in high school, I didn't really have a – not many people really shared my faith, and that was really alarming. But then little by little, I was like going, I was like putting myself out there, whether it's like the team board for Generation Life. It was like, this is like, we're talking about my senior year. But before that, it was like, I was like, you know, going to going to mass and everything. And then I really, then by my mid, but I say halfway through my junior year, I just felt like, what the heck is missing? 
it's almost like you, you have everything packed ready to go before you go travel wherever you have to go and you're like scratching your head like mm. do I have everything do I have enough pair of clothes do I have enough pair of this pair of that but then like then you real then sometimes you realize like by the time you hit the flight like oh shoot I should have packed an extra pair of socks you know those kind of thing <laughs> and then like and that's where it kind of dawned on me by the time I was like halfway through senior year I'm like where are these people that you know that can help me you know grow closer to the faith or you know try to like you know improve myself and and then I just realized, and then I was just still searching for that. And then I started getting involved with things such as the pro-life ministry, the pro-life work in the Philly area. And I was even encouraged by like my mom, hey, go, go for it. Do this, do that. I was going to Catholic underground for a time that was held like every other month, have like a holy hour, go to confession, meet people during a coffee house concert. And, you know, it's, it's like, there's, it was like the little, there was like the little things that kind of build up and then like, and it got to the point where, you know, I just started passing the faith on to people. In fact, I was passing the faith on to my, my God, my God sons, um, who I actually sponsored. I, they uh, came to the faith in full about five years ago, praise God. In fact, just this past fall, I sponsored, um, my oldest godchild, uh, Brady, and he um, he was confirmed last fall, and I, I was sponsoring it. It was such a a thrill and honor, and and I was reminded by his mom, my cousin-in-law, that the the reason they 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 that he selected me is because I was living out my faith, and you know I, I was doing it quite well. I mean, hey, I mean I'm not perfect at it, like I said, but hey, it's it's what it is. So you know we're not meant to be perfect, and me, hey, we're we're human. Last time I checked, and you know, it's just, you know, just keep going to run into Jesus every time you falter, every time you feel like, you know, the, the world is stacked, the, the odds are stacked against you, you know, you run to him and he's, he's going to, he's going to make the, make you the best underdog and the underdog you got to watch out for because they are hungry for the faith. Amen. You know, you know that you and I agree on that, uh, especially and um, your faith is very inspiring, at Mickey, and I really mean that with my heart because I know you, and um, and you know you're you're a blessing to so many, and also Mickey, uh, you are a person that we can all look up to for all that you have done for the cause of pro life. Uh, now I wondered if you could talk to our listeners about how did that all start? Because you are a person who gets up every single Saturday and prays at Planned, not Planned Parenthood, I think. It's another women's Philadelphia center. Women's Center. Women, women's Center. But you go there every single weekend and you take the time to pray because this is one of the largest abortion centers in the entire Philadelphia area that um, is responsible for... Um, the ending of life of so many babies. So mm -hmm. I wondered if you could talk about how that all started for you. And maybe there's somebody listening who'd like to get more involved in the pro-life efforts. Mm -hmm. Well, I would have to say my neighbor guy, um, he's been, he's like the pro-life chair for my Knights of Columbus council. And I help him. I would, there was a time before I got involved with the pro-life movement. I was helping him hand out roses to moms on mother's day. And also bulletins advertised in the uh, pro-life union of greater Philadelphia. But I think they were under a different name at the time. But, but anyway, 
when I was a senior in high school, I actually marched with them during the St. Patrick's Day parade because the founder of the coalition, the late John Stanton, God rest his soul, he's been dead for six years. And he's, he's uh, from what I was told, he was a saint. And I witnessed him during his final years of his life. And this is when I was first getting involved with the movement. I recall, like, I remember my my uh, my neighbor was like always saying, like, "Hey, you want to come out? You want to come out?" It was like those little. It was like it was like one of those like invitations, like, and that's how. And, and I always I always think like invitations are the most powerful way to get people involved one way or another. Be like, "Hey, why don't you come with me to do this? Why don't you come with me to do that? Those kind of things." And I'll talk about that later. But anyway, I remember him sharing stories about Kermit Gosnell. And he that he actually made national news um, almost a decade ago when his facility, his house of horrors, was raided by the feds on a drug charge that he was the illegally trafficking judge. But what they found, they found more than what they were told, and it was like something out of a horror movie. They saw cats, you know, urinating here. They're like cat litter all over the place. Even specimens of aborted babies they found. It was really disgusting. And he, my neighbor recalled every second, every second Saturday of the month, he will go and pray in front of the facility where I go to every month, him and a few other people, they will go to mass at the Newman Center at, at University of Penn, right next door to St. Agatha and James at 38th and Lancaster, I'm sorry, 38th and Chestnut rather, my fault. And then they would, after mass, they would have a procession from the Newman Center up to Gosnell's facility at 38th and Lancaster, which is in the Mantua section of Philadelphia. It's like, I think of it as like the poor side of town because it's like always like this. I see quite a bit of homeless hanging around there and everything. And he was always telling me these stories. And and when I heard about Gosnell making national news, I was like, I got to do something because I was going to the Anglo Marshall life for a while. I was going to, events here and there and i just felt like i need to do more so uh, one of those events was like the annual stand up for life dinner that happens usually before thanks the thanksgiving holiday and i got to the point where i gotta do more so one saturday it was in january it was bitter cold it was like one of the coldest winters we ever had and this was like a week or so after we had one of the biggest we had a christmas blizzard like christmas weekend we had a blizzard and I got up and I was just like, okay, what do I do? So I just laced up my shoes and I don't think I, I, I don't think I even eaten breakfast that morning. So I was like, okay. So I show up, I woke up the street and I was somewhat cold. Cause I think if you factor in like the wind chill, it, like it felt like it was sub zero. Like I could feel like my toes were like ready to like shiver and everything. And I was like waiting around. I was like, so what the heck do I do? What the heck do I do? Sure enough, John Stan pulls around. I was helping him pull out signs and everything. And then behind him was my neighbor guy. And he was like giving me this look like, like he was shocked to see me. Like I just like came, like I thought it came out of the woodwork or something. So then he comes to the car and he walks up to me and another neighbor of mine. And there's another fellow coming. In. I was like, Oh, okay. I'm not alone. This is good. So I, I was like coming out there and then, you know, I was coming out there to pray and pray a rosary. And then guys started me getting involved. Like, Hey, can you lead the prayer? Can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, all right, no problem. 
So this like this Saturday turned into more Saturdays, and I seen little by little. So I pray in front of this abortion facility as you were referring to, and is not affiliated with Planned Parenthood, yet it is the largest in this in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Every year, sixty five hundred babies are murdered there every year. The irony is the facility sits five floors above a daycare. So, you know, the future, the future clients are being murdered, evidently, five floors above that daycare. And wow. that's going to probably put that facility, you know, out of business eventually, you know, with the high with the high number abortion rates. Right. Prior to that, that little that one January cold, bitter cold morning, I was still going out once a month praying outside of Planned Parenthood in the neighborhood section, and that has made national news actually about a year ago. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And I was going to mass, and I was doing this for 11 years. Like I was getting up, you know, going to mass at St. John's, which was approximately like three blocks away go to mass and then we process down and oftentimes we had a priest that would this was part of what's called the helpers of God's precious infants which started in New York by Monsignor Monsignor Philip Riley and he's a living saint and he's a living legend the pro-life movement up there and they actually grew across like other parts of the country including Philadelphia which started about my understanding about 30 years ago and everybody was amazed that they saw me because I was like, I wasn't the one that had all this old, this like white gray hair. I wasn't frail. Or <laughs> yeah, I probably looked like, I probably looked like, um, I would say maybe Han Solo coming out of Carbonite in Star Wars. <laughs> if, if, if i was if i was in there for for too long you know <laughs> or like um or like one of those like you're you're like you're in cryogenic suspension and then you wake up maybe like two three hundred years into the future and you're like in this like this whole utopia kind of thing i mean that should be an idea for a future novel i don't know but anyway <laughs> um but yeah like and I, I was like and i thought for a while like i gotta do more so then I was like volunteering. I was like praying. I was attending vigils and everything over the years. And I was really grateful. I, I I was able to play a part in quite a few saves. I would say probably by now, maybe at least 10 at the Philadelphia Women's Center. Sometimes like some of them I didn't even know about until maybe a day or so after the fact. But I was like thinking to myself, because sometimes you just never know. The moment you walk away from there after you pray for an hour or so, like you don't know what happens. Like you just think, oh. Your prayers don't mean squat or anything, but hey, God has a say on what you on your prayers, and that's the bottom line. And then sometimes you just don't know about it. Maybe you hear about it a year or so down the road. But I, what I like to say is like I just thank God, like He's always like providing for me. Like there are times like I feel like I'm alone. Like when we have forty days at the Philadelphia outside the Philadelphia Women's Center. I'm like taunted by the security guard who is the epitome of a nasty woman pro a nasty woman demonstrator. And like, I just realized, and I remember I'm reminded by Dr. Monique Ribeiro. I'm, I'm sure she's a guest by now on your podcast. Yeah, she's Maybe. been a guest here on this podcast and also on journeys in faith on Fiat ministry network okay. too. I'm always reminded that 
you're never alone. You're always, you have an army of saints and archangels and archangels with you. I'm like, all right. So I, I kind of picture myself in like the epic scene in the recent Avengers movie when Captain America felt like he's got to take up Thanos all by himself and his whole army. And then all the Avengers are assembled. That's how I really, I see that. So, <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's how I really, I also see like spiritual combat too. I always think of that, 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 um, the pennant, the, the, the climax battle, like I'll say like the final battle of anything from pop, anything from Marvel comics, even star Wars too. But, I mean, I, I can't, you know, forget them. In fact, I'm a star Wars fan. So forgive me if I use star Wars too much here folks, but Hey, it's what it is. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Or, I mean, we could talk about Lord's Ring. It's, it's a Catholic safe one, so we can do that. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah, no, right, but, right. Yeah, so, oh. and then, like, over the years, like, like we had people that came and went, and oftentimes, like, and I'll say about six years ago, I remember one bitter cold February morning, I came out, and I was like, I got a lift by my neighbor, and I come out of the uh, car, I saw a woman in there, and it was like a... Um, Indian looking woman. I thought she was black, maybe Dominican. I don't know. So I, I walked and as I was walking up there, I was like, are you here to pray? I'm like, yeah, I'm here to pray. I introduced myself and it was Dr. Monique Ribeiro. She actually mentioned me anonymously in her book, Rising with Roses. And I'm coming forward with this, by the way, if you haven't read, the, if you haven't read the book, here's a spoiler alert. That 24 year old young man is me. Oh, oh my. Uh, <laughs> wow. But Keep actually, Oh, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, like, so I was like, all right, come on out. Cause I was like, you're not going to do any good, any work in the driver's seat. So you need to come on out, get your boots on the ground and help us out here. So, and I was like, okay. So, and then like, I was just like really amazed at the many people that come together. First it was me. And then years down the road, you had all these people. You had like some of these amazing young women that also come out to pray with us. And we see a tradition actually, like all these women that came out and they were sidewalk council, even pray with us. Eventually they wound up getting married maybe a year or so down the road. Like one example would be the, preceding president at Tom Stevens of the pro-life union for years, she would come out at least once a month that I'm aware of. And she would pray. She would sidewalk counsel and she, and I don't know how she does it. I mean, you know, she does it so well. And then she just got married recently. Um, I think uh, her husband was widowed or something. I don't know. And they get, they, and he, she, she, it was like her first marriage and they got married and everything. I was like, Oh, that's God bless her. And I was like, and she, she, she's been doing some things for us. So now she's in charge of the pregnancy hotline. Um, couple of young women that are involved with either generation life or the culture project, they will come out. So council. And for somehow a year or so down the road, they wound up getting married. The most recent is the director, the acting director of, Generation Life. I'm sure we know who it is, and Caitlin Dadam. That's right. And Severino. Now I got to put that in there mm-hmm. now. <laughs> um, in fact, I remember times when her brother-in-law, but me, I think this was before he married uh, her sister um, Maria. I remember praying with um, her, like her brother-in-law Tony, from time to time. Actually, outside of the um, outside of the same facility. And it was to him. 
and it was like quite a few people. And I, I still remember there were times on the Saturday, on those Saturdays, we had maybe like eight to 10 people out there. And, and sometimes like we get like the high school students out there. And like, we had like this one guy that comes out named Barry. He's been teaching math for more than 50 years at Archbishop Carroll high school. And he would bring maybe like two to about eight students from his school in his pro-life club to come on out and pray with us. In fact, he taught, I'm sorry, I should say he actually coached my pastor in, when he played baseball for Carol. And I was just like, my mind was like, Ooh, like that. Wow. <laughs> and then you've had so many experiences, of, Mickey. Yeah. Who knew one of his uh, former pupils was going to wind up being a priest. Who knew? Amazing. Yeah, it, it's so good to hear uh, your involvement in pro-life. And like I, I told all of you listening, that every Saturday, Mickey prays for uh, the unborn by going to an abortion facility and spending time there praying for others. Uh, but not only that, uh, he, he's involved in other things. I know you are also, also a Knight of Columbus. I have been a Knight for 12 years. So I actually joined the minute I was, I am, I actually was handed a, a form like a form to fill out by my dad because he's a night he's been in it for like almost 30 years and of course the beautiful thing about him is who encouraged him to join i believe it was my mom was it really so there's a there's a thing about encourage for wives to encourage their husbands and according to abby johnson it makes uh, the catholic husbands look sexy when they join the knights of columbus her words not mine <laughs> but um and that's her words but anyway um so yeah and then like and there's also something awesome about passing that thing on to your like the father passes something on to her son um by trade my dad was a plumber but he injured his knee on the job one time when he was on the ladder the ladder was unstable i'm sure he had a suit out for that and he hurt his knee so bad that it forced him into like an early retirement even though he had an offer to he could have gone into training he could have done like construction management so he would have done like the deals like behind the scenes like everything they go comes into play for let's say if they were going to do another sky rise like in the city of philadelphia he could have seen all the behind the scenes with the plumbing work he still he could have made really close to like six figures and then there was a time he was out of work for a while and everything but he still raised me you know, he still passed some things on to me. There were times like I helped him with some um, furniture projects, such as putting like desks together and everything. Adulting one-on-one, of course, life's basic life skills. Um, you know, I credit him for that, you know, and then, and of course, you know, there are times he raised me in the faith. Like he taught me how to pray the Hail Mary, he taught me grace before meals, before I switched from public school to Catholic school when I was like eight years old. And I went to public cat. I went to Catholic school from like second grade to like my senior year of high school, and then I went to uh, community college for a few years, and then I switched over to Lasalle University. I graduated there five years ago. So they're run by the the Christian Brothers, founded by Saint John Baptiste de La Salle. And I and it's just just it was just really remarkable. Um, I actually held a position in the pro-life, the, 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 the school's pro-life group called um, Explorers for Life. I was the vice president my first year there. 
my best friend, Anna, who's doing amazing work in the Lehigh Valley. By the way, Anna, if you're listening, hi. Hello, <laughs> Anna. That's your name. <laughs> Not me. This is someone Hello, else. Anna. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, also, by the way, um, they, they might be listening to this later, so I'll get this in there anyway. Um, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thanks for choosing life. <laughs> That's right. Um, awesome. <laughs> and they yeah. did. They did. For and sure. your your life is uh, amazing. And, um, you know, I see the Lord working in your life, just working with you and talking with you about the work that we're doing, even with the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. Um, and, and, you know, Mickey, it's it's a pleasure to work with both you and Bill because, like I said, Bill's also on our board, and he's not uh, off the leash yet. <laughs> <laughs> he just got on, right? Yeah, right. Thank you. Anyways, I'm, I'm welcome uh, to the club, Bill. Yeah, no, yeah. it's been wonderful. It was a it was a good board meeting today, as we mentioned, and I'm and I'm glad it was not streamed live. Um, it was it, it, you know streaming a board meeting live is a little dry, but no, uh, it was it was actually very good, and it's been a pleasure to be able to work with, um, you know, you and and uh, get to know the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, um, you know, and 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 understand the mission and understand the objectives and just there's there's so many great things out there uh, that are helping people. And, you know, we're really talking today on this program about, you know, Mickey just shared a lot about his pro-life uh, workings and and, uh, and ministry, and, and, and that's amazing. And what it really comes down to is that, you know, I think both Patchwork Heart Ministry and the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation are so aligned in their missions to help people who are at a disadvantage, uh, help those people who are, um, you know, marginalized, Help those people who need hope uh, sewn into their hearts, uh, those who have broken hearts. I mean, this is what uh, the mission that really what Christ calls us to do uh, each and every day, to take up the cross, to follow him, to help uh, those people who cannot um, provide for for themselves, who are um, experiencing crisis. And, you know, it's encouraging. I was telling Mickey before we started on the live broadcast today that it's so encouraging to have, you know, young people um, in leadership positions in the church. It's such an important—and and on, you know, not nonprofit boards and things like that. It is so important for young people to have an active voice, an active role, and lead. Uh, because this is, you know, our—I think it's often deemed that, you know, church and, and, and the faith can, is something for old people. You know, it's something for, you know, when I finally, you know, retire, I'll think about Jesus. Uh, and a lot of times we develop that mindset because when we, when we as young people go into churches, what do we see? We just see not, you know, there's just not many people, um, you know, that are our age, you know, and, and of course you can say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to these young adult events and they're, and they're great events, but the reality is, is that it outpaces itself, you know, um, pretty quickly when you walk into a regular parish on a regular Sunday, um, you, you know, you look around and you go, wow, am I the only one under 40 here? And, and I, I think that for, for us in today's society to, to rise up, to have a voice. That's why I'm so glad you're here, Mickey, to talk about uh, what you're doing and how you're doing it and your passion and your zeal and your uh, energy uh, is so awesome. 
the energy that you ha- that you possess is amazing. And I'm so happy that you know you're on here just talking about your life, your work, uh, and and encouraging people to engage in their faith, to to grow up um, and engage in their faith um, before they get too old. To you know, mm-hmm. you, know you know, to think about those things. So so mm-hmm. kudos to you. Uh, for especially all the work you're doing. I mean, like, you know, it's hard to, I mean, I mean, I, I haven't done all the work you're doing in the pro-life movement. That's incredible. Uh, and, and, and the commitment. So, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about, um, you know, that call to action too, Mickey, about like, okay, what do we, what, what can, like, what does it take for young people? You know, do we have to, I think young people don't like to say, okay, I need to get on a mailing list. I need to sign up for this. I have to go to the, you know, they, they want to kind of like skip that, you know, and they just want to help. They just want to do it. They just want to go out, right? They don't want to have to deal with all the red tape. And um, when there's red tape, it slows things down, especially for young people. So uh, maybe talk to um, talk to the young people, just any, any people really listening, that, you know, what are some steps that they, people can do to just act in faith and not, you know, have to worry about going through the latest, greatest program? Thank mm-hmm. you, Bill. That's great. Great question. That's actually, that's actually a really good question, Bill. In fact, um, I actually want to make a quick remark you just made about, like, you know, don't wait till you're old. I remember in uh, a mem circulating where, you know, like they were saying, like, how they had, like, the picture of someone that was, like, at a few, like, someone's funeral or something. And it says, like, don't wait until, like, the out, like, until you're dead, you know, they come to church, you know, go to church now, yeah. like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the, that's actually the message to the youth, like, don't wait till you're old and retired so you have you can go involved with the you can get involved with the pro-life movement. You can get involved now. In fact, I would say this: um, probably not many universities are going to go back now because of the chaos of the pandemic. Even if you are, my suggestion is find the Respect Life Club on your campus, find out about their meetings, and see how you can get involved. You know, dive right in. High school students, find out about a local visual, see if your teacher can bring you out there and, you know, get involved. To the old, happy white men, women, I would say start a mentorship program with the young and up, young and rising stars in the pro-life movement. Show them the do's and don'ts, even if it's someone in your own family. I think of it as in track like the four by 100 event you have the runners and then once they complete the 100 meters they pass the baton on and that's really what we need to do we need to start setting up a system where we have to pass the baton the baton on to the next group that will be able to carry on that pro-life message on their campus on in their communities in their church especially you know encouraging the clergy, they got to speak up more about this whole issue on abortion because let's face it, our church has been silent for well over half a century when it came to the topic of abortion. Even St. Saint Paul VI, the author of Humana Vitae, of human life, issued this stark warning, what could happen if birth control was in full swing, what happens with abortion on demand, this, that, and everything. And many of the things he prophesied about is it, it grew into fruition now we now our goal really is to take our, our culture back 
when we build a culture of life with the focus of the civilizational love. So how do we do it? Number one is we have to be willing to step forward and help our communities, well, our coalition, of course. Volunteer at a pregnancy center would be one of the first steps, I would say. Be like, hey, can I help sort clothing for an expected mom who decided to choose life for their child? And over time, maybe that the director of that pregnancy center have connections with the local coalition and be like, hey, I hear about this rally coming up. Why don't you come with us? We can put hours towards your community service or whatever it is. The other thing is, and then now everybody is like, you know, with this, I mean, as a matter of fact, like I'm looking at you guys right now by the comfort of my MacBook. I just bought, by the way, with my COVID money. Anyway, <laughs> between that and my paychecks. The one thing I also would suggest is, you know, just don't be afraid. I mean, I know like it's a it's a bit of a stretch and you, know, you get up like before dawn on a Saturday morning and most of the time you're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but the <laughs> thing is, you know, you got to offer that, that little struggle, you know, for a baby that's scheduled to die today, you know, offer it up to God. Be like, Lord, I offer this struggle for a baby to be saved today in your name. Amen. And you do that, Mickey. You do that every week. So we thank you. I thank you because we need more people like you who will make that sacrifice. And you know what? And me, I'm including myself because I need to do it more too on weekends. And you like know that. what? I mean, the best, and you know what? To the seasoned pro-lifers, don't be afraid to, like I said a moment ago, don't be afraid to take young people under your wings and show them what to do. Because I, I always believe mentorship is the most powerful thing you can offer to callow activists. And, you know, you show them what to do. I mean, you don't have to like, you know, drill them every morning, you know, to have them do 25 push-ups and, you know, try to do like 10 pull-ups or whatever it is. You know, this is not Paris Island, ladies and gentlemen. You know, yes, you do have to train them. You have to show them what to do, show them the ropes. And eventually they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And of course, you know, offer them some guidance every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of think of it as, you know, the coach and the, the, the player that probably is a rookie and you had to help build that rookie up, you know, look at some of these fine rookies in, in sports that wound up being, you know, productive players. And eventually, you know, some of them now are probably in the hall of fame. Look at um, one of my favorite players of all time, even though I'm a, Always fan, but I always admired Derek Jeter. You know, he came up at a very young age and, you know, he just basically blossomed. He's a part of four World Series titles for the Yankees in the span of his 20 year career. He won four World Series. He won a number of MVP awards. He was a in a number of all star games. Heck, all the New York, fa- New York Yankees fans love him. He's just, a, he's just, a, he's like their. He's like their saviors, like their first saviors since the Eminem boys over the 60s. That's all it takes. We have like the, the seasoned pro-lifers. I mean, there's going to come a time they can't do it anymore. They're going to go to the eternal war. The young people have to step it up. And like I said, one of those things is, you know, don't be afraid to ask like, hey, what can I do? And eventually they're going to they're going to throw you out of the frying pan and into the fire. And you have to, you know, you have to step into the breach. But let's face it, 
this uh, I was this abortion debate is well any life issue debates whether it's abortion, euthanasia, death penalty, unjust wars, whatever the case may be, it's not just a political issue. Right. Instead, it is a human issue. And it's also an issue of morality. The sad part is the Catholic Church, you know, more than half Catholics, you know, they still support abortion. And it really shows when we have a critical election ahead of us in just a few months. And you know what? I mean, I really have to say that, you know, the Catholic Church in America is divided, but we shouldn't be afraid to step in. And challenge these people, well, why do you think women have a right to choose? And you ask them, well, choose what? And then, of course, you also have to challenge, you know, the bishops. Well, how how come you haven't been outspoken about this issue from the pulpit? Because, I mean, of course, you know, the, the, the priests or the bishops may say, well, I'm scared. I'm scared. Well, guess what, hon? Let's guess what, Cupcake. You have a job to do, and that is to save souls from Satan. And if you don't preach about these things from the pulpit, guess what? You are you're an inch and inch closer to being in the revelation that was brought forth to, I believe, with St. Faustina, where the lukewarm clergy are suffering eternity because they were they were afraid to speak up for the faith. And we need to be more vocal about this, folks. I mean, it's not it's easy to go to the March for Life every year, whether it's in Washington, DC, Los Angeles, or even San Francisco. But the fact is, we have a job to do today to be more vocal about this issue. And yes, 61 million Americans. Think about this. That that's more than that, that's more than all the wars America has been involved in combined, even conflicts too. And wow. that's more that's more people murdered, killed, you know, than the overall casualties of the Second World War, which was like 50 some thousand, 61 million Americans. Yeah, that's really staggering to me. And that and abortion is the number one cause of death in America. More African-Americans are more likely to be murdered by abortion than gun violence. A member of the Klansmen, even the AIDS virus and the breast cancer, even breast cancer. Why haven't we been more vocal about this? This is the pandemic of our lifetime. It's not COVID-19. Abortion has been a pandemic for nearly half a century. And how are we going to flatten this curve? The good news is it did go down quite a bit, and that's great because of the efforts of yours truly and other people such as, and I, I can go down the list, but I don't want to, but they know who they are. We know who <laughs> they are. So one of the things is uh, overall, I would say, Mentor the young people, you know, get them involved. Um, and if you have to bribe them with coffee and donuts, I strongly recommend that because people, there's a, <laughs> a, a 12th commandment out there. Thou shalt not keep me from my caffeine. <laughs> but yeah, mentor them. Two is, you know, make your pro conviction a daily, a daily effort. It's not, it shouldn't just be every January 22nd. Instead, you know, go participate in local vigils, take part in 40 Days for Life campaigns, post pro life messages on your social media accounts. Yes, you're going to get attacked, but you know what? It's better you stood for something instead of 
you know, running away from, you know, a, a you know, a, 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 a possibility of stepping into the breach. Because the reality is we are in a spiritual battle, folks. And Amen. God is asking for his best warriors to step up. Just like the general Pam picks his best troops, you know, to go in and fight the, his best units and whatever. God has his best soldiers, you know, he's calling his best soldiers to step in. And some of those weapons we use for this spiritual battle is, I love, I love to draw this down. I'm sure Anne will love this. This beautiful thing called the rosary. I <laughs> Been do. around since the 13th century, thanks to the house of the church, a.k.a. the Dominicans. Prayers. We have adoration. We have the Eucharist. Heck, we even have holy water and even exorcism that priests can do. And we need to be, we need to pray for an end to this. We need to pray for conversion to those who are involved with the abortion industry. And also another thing I would say is, I mean, if if it's in your comfort zone, see if you can open some sort of dialogue with those that are involved with the pro-abortion industry, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's the doctor. I mean, you look at the movie Unplanned. Great movie, by the way. I saw it three times. Yes. I'm willing to see it fourth, and my mom's still pestering me like, when are we going to see it? Uh, well, I get well, I have to stop right there because I could give a spoiler. But anyway, to think about the number of times the early the early activists of the 40 Days for Life movement, let alone pro-life movement, and you look at the challenge where how many times have they planted the seeds to those workers, and then over time they would walk, they would have an they have their personal exodus from that industry, and now they advocate for life. Look at Abby Johnson. Look at um, Dr. Anthony. I'm going to butcher his last name. I know it's Italian. I'm half Italian. I shouldn't be doing this. But it's um, Dr. Uh, Levitiano or something like that. But anyway, he actually testified before Congress what happens during a, when he dismembers a baby through an abortion procedure. And it was very alarming. He's an advocate for life now. And, you know, you look at all these people and it's like, Wow, and, and it gives you hope too. Like, you know, and you're waiting for that Abby Johnson moment yourself when you're praying outside these abortion facilities, or that, um, or a uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson moment, you know, and he, he has a remarkable story himself. And that's that's another thing, you know, plant the seeds, and finally, you know, be vigilant in your prayers and your activism. Now, I'm not just saying like. You know, like, let me just be, just be aware. Like, there's a saying, like, you keep your friends closer and your enemies closer. I sound like the Godfather, anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to know, you have to be in order to beat the the abortion industry. You have to beat them at their own game. What did he do so well? And how can you beat out? How can you out beat them? How can you outsmart them? Those kind of things. And the final thing is, you know, just don't be don't be intimidated. Like there are times like I feel like like I feel discouraged. I feel like I feel like I feel I feel useless in God's eye. You're useful. You are 
you, you are doing what he wants you to do. And I, I will admit this. There are times I do get discouraged, but the fact when I hear about these saves, whether it happened in the Philly area or across the board, it gives me hope. And I want to pass that hope on to everyone. It, it, it's not it's not an easy thing, but you know we should make it a daily ha- we should make it a daily habit to have faith, sow hope wherever we go. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the title of your podcast. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking it. Spread the love. I know Bill was too. Yes. <laughs> Spread the love and have mercy on those who ridicule, mock, and persecute you because you stand before God and you proclaim it before man. I mean, you know, you have faith, hope, and charity. But I always think there's always there's actually a four there's all there's a fourth virtue and it's called mercy. Let alone mercenarians. That's fact, right. My high school actually, Mercy Career and Technical it is now, but it used to be called Mercy Vocational High School. You know, I always remember hearing a song, and I actually heard I first heard this song when I was going when I was attending their open house when I was an eighth grader. The circle of mercy, it's timeless. And of course, we have the fourteen works of mercy, and I will, and I would promise you pro-lifers fulfill all 14 of them on a daily basis oftentimes you would see the 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 first seven which are the corporal works of mercy that's fulfilled every day and the set the other seven usually you don't notice it but oftentimes maybe you will you know you have but the, the spiritual ones it's like mostly like oh you pray for this you show mercy to those and everything i mean and i believe the works of mercy can 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 destroy a world the, the society we live in that's filled with so much hatred and anger and loneliness. I really believe that. And I, I believe that the pro-life movement, they should grasp what they have, divert the virtues, the prayers they have, the, the spiritual weapons they have, and you know step out of the breach and charge kind of like a kind of like in those war movies where you have the pinnacle battles you have like a bayonet charge you have like the charge they have to do it at a certain time you know to try to take a position and we're not going to stop until all until abortion number one abortion becomes unthinkable and two every life is saved and it's not going to be an easy thing I mean, let's face it. Mother Teresa reminds us that, you know, we're not going to save everybody, but just focus on saving the one. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that. I mean, we should really focus on saving the one. But we're not going to be, you know, Superman and save every person, you know, in lightning speed and all that. No, no. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a Superman out there, but I know there are superheroes that don't wear capes and they don't have the superpowers that they are in the comic books. But there are superheroes, you know, everywhere you go, whether it's the hospitals or the uh, first responders, the people that are praying outside the abortion facilities in the sun, rain, hurricane, sleet, even snow, that there's been stories about that, even sub-zero temperatures. You know, everybody can do a part in the pro-life movement. And they and and I promise you, and those who are listening, if you have talents, whether it's 
you can do something creative. You're artistic. You like to do graphic designs or whatever it is. Offer your talents to the movement. We'll be waiting. Awesome stuff, Mickey. This has just been a great conversation. And uh, we have to have you back because there's obviously so much more you have to talk with us about, right? Um, so much more. So I do want to mention to our listeners too to check out Mickey's blog. It's called voicesforlife.blog. And the four is the number four. I'll say it again voices for the number four life.blog. His name is Mickey Kelly. He is on social media, um, also on Instagram, Facebook. And I know that you're on LinkedIn and Twitter too, maybe? Yes. Yeah, so check out, check out his social media presence. And as I, I said, he has a beautiful you. weekly right. video. I do want to mention actually really quick about Voices for Life. Um, if any of you love to blog, love to write, um, this is actually geared also to the young people. We are looking for any bloggers, no experience necessary. Um, mostly we do our blogs on the um, local level in the Philly area, but oftentimes we go on a national level, even like a global level. So if you live in any states across the U.S. or even province in Canada, we are opening the door to you. If you are interested, please check out our blog, even reach out to us. We have our contact information on there. Um, we will be delighted to throw you in the mix and post things about that are happening in your area or even offer a pro-life reflection on something that's been happening on the news. I, I have done it a few times. Um, I've done, as a matter of fact, very soon I'll probably post something as the elections are closer, like um, there's something to think about and everything. And the blog has been around for two, three years. So we're relatively new. We have a great team. I'm actually the only male blogger in on the team, but we're hoping more men could man up put on their big boy pants and, you know, get their big boy fingers and just like blog away for the pro-life cause. And also if you want to blog about things such as, you know, you know, let let me tell you this, the pro-life issue does not, the buck doesn't stop with abortion, but also think about other things that destroy human life, such as a death penalty, um, mass incarcerations, uh, the poor, the marginalized, even unjust wars, even the migrants who are looking to escape war-torn countries. We need to be a voice for them as well. So we need to be a voice for life from the moment of conception until natural death, no matter if you're white, black, Indian, Hispanic, Asian, no matter what you are. The last time I checked, you are a child of God, and God doesn't care what you're skin color is the fact is he cares more about what you are doing to proclaim him before every living person on the face of the earth amen amen, amen. mickey it's been such a pleasure this oh, has yeah. been an amazing show you're definitely going to come back on <laughs> yeah. um unfortunately We've uh, run out of time. So, uh, Mickey, again, thank you so much. And I know I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God bless. This has been so much fun. 
So, uh, yeah, folks, uh, please, please, uh, you know, reach out again uh, to Mickey on his blog. It's, uh, you know, voicesforlife.blog um, and and just connect with them social media everywhere um, and and be in touch with him because he's got great things going on. And it's just a wonderful um Wonderful thing to be able to talk with you, Mickey. So thank you. And uh, folks, I want to, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, I want to remind you to please check out our websites, uh, very simply patchworkheart.org and andysantis.com so that you can learn more about our ministry and, and, uh, and, and sowing hope into broken hearts and, and also um, all the amazing work Anne does with the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, which uh, is simply nonatus.org. Right, Anne? Isn't that your the website? Nonatus.org. Yes, not, nonatus.org. Thank yep. you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Mickey. Absolutely. Thanks, well, folks, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast this evening. And uh, until next time, from all of us here at Patrick Art Ministry, the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, Fiat Ministry Network, can't forget those folks, and... Uh, you know, for Ann and Bill, thanks so much. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending Mass, but I was not present. I was a good man. I was a good father. I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional. I was stuck wrote in my faith. I did not want to become Catholic. I came into the church kicking and screaming. I even left for a period because I was like, I, I can't. All my plans that I had are gone now. So I tried to go back only, and that's only to come back later on because of the, ultimately because of the Eucharist. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. My husband comes home from work and I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it, honey. You've been trying to quit. You've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. 
there is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice the blood of Christ and the bread as participation in the body of Christ and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which is in the Eucharist or not? <laughs>